Welcome, my friends, to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. We like to find out what is it really like to follow Jesus here. My name is Eric Nevins. And I'm your host. Thank you for joining in on this conversation. I want to ask you, as I do always, to go ahead, if you haven't given us a rating or review in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please go out and do that right now while you're listening. That would mean a lot to us to help get the word out. My guest today is, I'm excited to, to speak with her. She's a wife of 36 years, which is impressive. Uh, a mother of seven. I want to hear all about that. A black belt. So she's fierce and a business owner. And her name is Anna Scheller. Anna, welcome to Halfway There. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me, Eric. I am glad to have met you and hear a little bit about your story. So again, yeah, thanks for being here. Tell us, I gave kind of that brief overview of who you are. Can't do you justice, but give us just a little bit of kind of who you are and where God has you now. Well, um, I have, um, where I am now is actually my husband's the associate pastor of a church here in town. And when you mentioned Black Belt, we actually, um, I'm an instructor at the ministry. Our church has a Taekwondo ministry where we teach people how to defend themselves. We teach them how to, um, you know, to do Taekwondo. But then in every lesson, in every class, we take 10 minutes and we share the word of God with them. That's usually my husband's job. And we've actually seen kids come to Christ. Wow. We've seen whole families start to come to church. So it's pretty impressive. And I just play a very small part. I'm a volunteer instructor in the school. And um, hopefully in the next two to three years, I'll be testing for my fourth degree. So wow. we'll see how that goes. That's amazing. That's, <laughs> I mean, what you're very humble about it, but it's like, that takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. And uh, I wouldn't want to m- mess with you in a dark alley. So, thank you. I, that, <laughs> like, I don't want to. <laughs> awesome. it, it's a, it's a great sport. It's a lot of fun, um, and it it is it. Uh, it has so many applications in so many areas of life. I've actually learned a lot about my spirituality, about my walk with Christ, through that. Because you'd be surprised at what God calls you to do, and you think, nah, not me. That was me. So it was kind of fun. Wow. What have you learned about your walk with Jesus through Taekwondo? Well, you know, I think the Taekwondo, in order to advance in Taekwondo, I actually had to get out of my own way. And I know that Mm. sounds kind of crazy, but so many times as an instructor, I see people get really tense and struggle and fight to get things done. And really what they're doing is they're putting way too much work into something that when they learn the proper technique, they can absolutely have so much power. And I think in my walk with Christ, sometimes we get this feeling like we have to do everything and we have to work so hard. And um, I liken it to the whole idea of David and Goliath. David had experience. He knew how to he knew how to kill a bear and a lion. But when he went up to against the Goliath, against that giant, he knew that all he needed were three or five stones. That's all he needed. Everybody else was was all outfitted, but he just needed what God equipped him with. And so I've learned to become more aware of when I'm getting in my way and God's way and step back and say, okay, Lord, if this is what you have for me, use me, 
bring me bring me to the people or bring the people to me or the resources so that we can accomplish what you want. Cause it's all about serving the body of Christ and serving the people around you. Yeah. That's a really good insight. I think you're right. A lot of times we try to do too much and we think we mm-hmm. have to be at the church all the time and we have to do that. And there's a point when that can get really frustrating for, for people. And that's one of the missions of this show is to say that, you know, so I think, thanks for saying that. Uh, okay. Welcome. Well, so when you said uh, here at the church, like where where is that? Where is there for you? I live in Del Rio, Texas. Okay. And I go to a little church called Esperanza Del Rio, which we do not have a Spanish service, but that's the name of the church anyway. Gotcha. Um, we're Southern Baptist affiliated church. Gotcha. Okay. So you're in Texas, the great state of Texas. <laughs> right. Did you grow right. up there? No, actually, um, I'm actually the daughter of Italian immigrants who settled in North Carolina until my sister passed away, which is part of my story. Um, And then after Rita passed, it kind of freed up our family to start traveling again. So I ended up in Washington State, ended up going into the military, which is where I met my husband. And uh, we've actually been in Texas now for about 20 years, but fulfilled his term in the military. I did about four years as a, an officer and got out and raised my family of seven. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So t- take us back and tell us that story of how you came to Christ. You mentioned that that was after your sister had died. So describe that whole, that whole scene and then take us into that moment. So growing up, I, um, my parents were very, very strict and very, very religious people, which was a good thing because I'll be honest, that strictness taught me the fear of God. But as a child, I'd also been um, sexually abused in the school where I was going. And that, uh, that resulted in kind of uh, a sin awareness that maybe somebody that young, because I was only six or seven, really probably shouldn't have. Now, in the meantime, my mom had given birth to my baby sister, and my baby sister was born with a, a, a blood disease that my parents had been told would prevent her from surviving puberty. Now, we didn't know that. Me and my sisters didn't know that because there were four of us all together, and we happened to be in Italy visiting family for the first time, my mom's side of the family, when my little sister got very sick and died suddenly. So we're in a foreign country and um, really we have no support except family there. And while we were there, everybody seemed to hold it together. But when we came back to the States, the grieving, I mean, extreme grieving started. It was, it was very, um, I actually, my mother struggled with um, deep depression. And as the oldest daughter, I was pretty much kind of in charge of the family because my dad at that time worked away from home. So I just remember that I I had these experiences as a child. My guilt now is magnified because now I have a sister who passed away. And in my very mature 12-year-old mind, I knew I was the next one to go. And I did not know that I had an eternal a secure eternity. And it frightened me. I was afraid I was going to die and go to hell because I knew how sinful I was. And I lived with that night after night after night. And I remember there was this one night, it was in the fall. And uh, at that time we were living in Asheville, North Carolina. And my mom had the TV on 
And normally mom turned the TV off when this particular evangelist was on because we always made fun of him. He always had this really weird accent, um, Billy, Van- Billy Graham. Yeah. But that night mom left the TV on. And I remember being drawn to the TV. I no longer made fun of this guy. He had a message that spoke deep to this very grief-stricken, I'm almost going to cry. You know, it was just a very difficult time. And I had no peace, but I wanted peace from God. But the way I understood God was a judge who was ready to slam me when I died. And Billy Graham offered that we could have peace with God. And it was at that moment I decided that I wanted that peace. And so that was the day that I accepted Christ as my Savior. And then it was probably about, I don't know, 10 years later when I learned that I could learn more about my walk with Christ. It didn't have to be just on Sundays when I went to church, but I could actually communicate and, and spend time with the Lord through his word. And so then my real walk with Christ began when I was about 22, when I started reading his word on a regular basis. Yeah. So tell us about, about that and how you, you know, how, like how you learned to read his word on a regular basis. Like what did, what did that, like, were there people who invested in you? Was there, you know, was there something in you that was kind of driving you to it or what happened? Well, it was a little bit of both. Um, my husband and I, we, we were brand new married. We'd only been married a year and this gal came to the church that we attended and, uh, she talked about having this walk with God. And, you know, I mean, I prayed, I did a lot of praying, um, but I didn't understand hearing from God and walking with him. And so she's the one that challenged me to start reading the Bible every day. And as I opened the Bible, of course, if if you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit reveals things to you. And suddenly the Bible is talking to me about situations in my life. And, and, and when I'm afraid, then I get comfort. When I need to be reproved, I get that sweet word that's corrective, but not uh, not not a hatchet. And I, I began to, I mean, I started by reading Psalms. And, and here's an interesting thing that happened to me, Eric. So um, after I, I'd been in the military for four years, got out, I'd always been a really fearful person. And um, after I had my children, some of the, um, some memories started to come back to me of the time of abuse. Mm. And so then I, I started to suffer with panic attacks and um, I started to go into these really dark places in my mind. And, I was encouraged by a pastor to start memorizing scripture. So I found an accountability buddy and every week she and I would get together and we weren't always working on the same passage, but we were always working together. And what I found was by taking my mind and filling it and and focusing on the word of God, I was able to heal my depression and I mean, it, it was it was so amazing to see how the Word of God was healing my mind and my heart by memorizing it and just keeping it in front of me as much as was humanly possible. Yeah, that is tremendously powerful. It's uh, it, it's amazing what can happen when you change what you focus on, right? Yes, absolutely. And um, I, I guess just knowing that God 
that I don't have to worry about my security. I mean, I'm, I do the good, the, the good deeds and stuff, although I'm far from what I want to be. I guess I'm like the Apostle Paul. I'm not what I ought to be, mm-hmm. but I'm not what I was. And, um, and I just, I just remember how it's, it really literally changed my life, but that I didn't have to work for my salvation, that salvation was something that was a free gift by accepting the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. And I have found so many people in so many walks of life and in so many different sects of Christianity and even not in Christianity. I've met some Mormons who who have the same they really have the same understanding of the relationship with God. And so I've just seen where they are, these people are really wanting to serve him and understand that it's not their works that make them righteous, but Mm -hmm. it's the power of God that makes them righteous. Yeah, that's super huge. Uh, I love that. Okay. So you're beginning to grow. Are, Are you, um, Actually, I guess maybe I'll ask you this way. Were you always involved in church? Like your husband, did he become a pastor right away? Or what was that? What, what happened? Oh, no, not nah. at all. My husband <laughs> Much was bigger a pilot story. in the Air Force. Oh, that's right. He was still in the Air Force. That's right. Yeah, okay. You he said he was the there Air for like Force. a whole career. He did. And um, now we'd been asked to be elders. We led small groups um, all along the way. And... Um, it wasn't actually until we got into this taekwondo ministry and we we came to this church and there were a number of uh, challenges that led us to to settle at this particular church and what was hilarious eric was <laughs> that um, my husband's a very deliberate man so on a spectrum of decision making one being i'll wait until jesus comes to make a decision to um, I really believe I'm led of the Spirit and let's do it right now kind of thing. My husband's kind of toward the other end. Uh-huh. He will eventually make a decision. Um, so we're really good for each other. I get him to move a little this way. He gets me to move <laughs> a little into the middle. We're really good for each other. But uh, so the decision to change churches, we, we, we were at a crossroads. We needed to make a decision. What was God leading us to do? And so we ended up moving over to this church, but it was a long decision. And we'd been in conversation with the pastor. We wanted to make sure that we left well the other place before moving our membership to this other church. So after my husband, we'd been there maybe about six months, Jim, our pastor, he walks up to my husband and he goes, you know, the Bible says that it's a good thing to want to be an elder. And my husband looks at me and he goes, I was, I wasn't really thinking about being an elder. So, um, so we prayed about it and my husband entered training for this. And so my husband's a lay pastor, um, as an elder of our church, he, uh, gets the pastoral pastor title. Yeah, Yeah. But, um, but really we're, we're just ordinary people, you know, we, yeah, it's nothing special. We just love people and we serve. Well, in today's day and age, that is special. Oh, thank you. you know, <laughs> have you ever had like a a dark night of the soul or a time when you felt like God was far away mm. after your conversion? Um, yeah, a lot of times. A lot of times. Um when um when I was in that deep, deep 
place of depression, um, I, I actually wondered if I was even saved. And um, it, it was really, I, I had a lot of questions. I, I struggled and I still do at times. So doubt is not something that goes away as you mature. Sometimes I think the doubt is actually in, enhanced because you look at your life and you go, how come this all worked out over here, but things aren't working out right now for me. And I, again, it was it, when I have those times and I've had them um, even with a business. So I've got two businesses and there was a time, Eric, where we were bleeding $10,000 a month. Oh, wow. Out of our business. And this was going on for about four or five months. So Ooh. do the math. That's expensive. That's not, a, that's not pleasant. And um, I remember the pain. I would just sit at my desk and sob because it, it was a function of some decisions that I'd made. You know, I, I was totally willing to be responsible. I did not know. I mean, I knew about grace. I knew about grace in church. I knew about grace in, um, in forgiving my sins. I didn't understand grace to help me get through that kind of situation. And um, it was, it was, I don't believe he was a Christian, but it was a man who came to me, he was a mentor, and he said, I want you to know that there is nothing you can do that changes your value as a human being. And I listened to that and I realized that because I'm made in the image of God. And actually, because I have a personal relationship with Christ, he actually really cared about what was going on in my life. I didn't have to just go to him and read the Psalms and, and pretend like everything was fine and hide this, this part of my life from him, which I guess I didn't realize. I knew he knew about it, but it was not, it was like, well, I got to fix this. I have to fix this before God can do anything with it. What I ended up doing is laying it on the altar. And I mean, I had to do this often through that period because it was, um, it was so difficult. But I had to surrender to Christ. I had to surrender the whole situation and say, only you can guide me through this. I'm not hiding it anymore. And that dark night of the soul lasted quite a while. But it was, but it was just in continually surrender, continually surrender and, and, and just yielding to God's wisdom that we were able to come out of that very difficult time and um and and begin to prosper again but it was yeah that was that was hard i'm sure you've got listeners who have been through something like that and i just want to encourage you that you know you may feel like you are worthless maybe your bank account says it's in the negative, or you have so much credit card debt that you feel like you will never get out of that. But I'm here to tell you that um, Jesus cares about every aspect of your life. And if you're willing to yield it to him, he will lead you through it and out of it. And you will be singing and dancing and rejoicing before you know it. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Wow. I think that's so powerful. We have to, we have to acknowledge that these things are normal for for people yeah. going through those moments when you're those periods of time when you feel like God's not there or whatever. And yeah. then and then learning to yield. I mean, what I heard you say is learning to yield to grace and and inviting Jesus into your whole being in your whole life. 
in a way that you hadn't before. Yeah, it's kind of like with finances, we feel like we're so responsible and, and we are. I mean, there's no doubt that we're responsible for sure. the decisions that we make. But there's nothing we can't do that the grace of God cannot reach and comfort and heal and restore. Yes. I keep saying this to people, but I think that one of the messages of Jesus feeding the 5,000 is that the kingdom of God is abundant, right? Like he, he says this to his disciples. He kind of gives them a wry grin and says, well, you feed the people. Right. And they're like, wow, why are you kidding me? (laughs) Right. Because they have no concept of the abundance of, of what Jesus can do. And so then he feeds these people and, I just like to think about how long that must have taken, right? 5,000 people and their families uh-huh. it took forever. But his, like, his, it's a long way to make the point about the kingdom being abundant. And then he, afterwards, he kind of debriefs with them as well. See? Um, but that, it, it is learning that mindset, though, it takes, it takes an experience like that sometimes. It does. And, and, and it's a, not a once in you're done type of a deal. Um, in my church, I tend to, I am actually one of very few women who are business women as well as being the pastor's wife and leading the youth group and so on and so forth. Um, and so I have a friend that she comes in once a year with her husband that they come to teach, uh, do some work with our Taekwondo school. And uh, she's a businesswoman, and she and I have really bonded. So we, we make sure we go out to lunch together. We've found a lot of comfort in the story of George Mueller. If you want to talk mm, about abundance, yeah, George Mueller had a thousand orphans. And, you know, he, he learned to praise God even when there was nothing in the cupboard. And suddenly, you know, trucks are breaking down in front of the orphanage with all the food they need to feed those children. And... So she and I encourage each other along those lines because I've I've come up to tax deadlines where I didn't have the money to pay the taxes. And we're talking like $10,000 bills, Wow, $10,000. And I was on vacation. I come home and my husband says, you have to look at this. You have to see this. And there was a $10,000 check <laughs> waiting for us when we came home. And God had been speaking to me. Yes, God does speak to us. God mm. had been speaking to me to trust, just trust. $10,000 was waiting in my in my mailbox when I got home from a week-long vacation. God is good. God is good. And when we trust, I mean, that doesn't always happen. You yeah. know, I've asked him for $10,000 before. <laughs> it's not always shown up. But, right. But I trust. I'm learning to trust. It's a day-to-day walk. Wow, that's a great story. All right, so how you you pointed this out, so I'm going to ask the question. How did you learn that God speaks to us? Um, well, even as a kid, I I when when I would read the Bible, I could I, I could I guess we call it revelation. I had insights, and um, and then I've had. I had situations where I would be working around the house when I was just a, um, a stay-at-home mom, not just, but I stayed at home with my kids. I just remember these scriptures would start coming up in front and in, in, into me, you know, the scriptures that I had studied, and they just came out of nowhere. And so I thought, oh, I guess the Lord's reminding me about something. And then maybe two weeks later, something would happen, 
And that scripture would be applicable to that situation. It's almost like God said, I got it. Don't, don't worry. I've got your back. I've got you covered. So for me, it's a lot of times scripture that comes up or songs mm-hmm. that come up. I can't say I've ever heard of an audible voice. Yeah. I would probably be, I would probably fall down scared spitless if God <laughs> spoke to me that way. But you're welcome to do that, Lord. I'll 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 I'll, I'll gladly bow because I love you so much. But uh, it, it started as a child. Yeah. Um, even when I didn't know Christ, I would hear, I would get. You know, I would hear messages from people reading the Bible. Yeah, that's really interesting. I I think you're sharing that because it's it's fascinating to me. Yeah, one thing you you say for you, this is what it's like, and for all of us, it's different in some ways. God will work with us differently. I have a quote in my email that says, "From Oswald Chambers, let leave God enough, or don't make a principle out of your own experience, right? But leave God enough room to be as original with others as He is with you." And I yeah. love that because. He does that. He does, you know, so he may, he speaks to you. It sounds like from your time you were a child, he spoke to you as a, in a very specific way, which I really love the tenderness in that actually. That's, that's pretty neat. (laughs) He's a good God. He's such a good God. I mean, even in his discipline, he is so good. Yeah. He is so good. I'm so glad he disciplines me. I'm so glad he, and I've learned to thank him for gifts in every circumstance, whether they're circumstances I like or not. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Well, tell us a story about that when, when you had to be grateful, even if, uh, even if you weren't really happy with the outcome. Well, we, um, we actually had a situation where two of our children had been the victims of sexual assault it was a really difficult time. It yeah. happened within the space of six months of each other. And it was a it was a really hard time. It was a very difficult time. It it would have been a really good time to say, forget this Christianity stuff. Actually one of the one of the assaults occurred in church. Oh man. Yeah, it was a, it was really hard. Um and I just remember I'm like I'm looking to God for answers. I'm thankful that our children were comfortable enough to come to us and tell us what was going on, because a lot of times children hide those things. Um, One happened to one of my children when they were um, less than 10 years old. Another one happened to one of my children when they were in college. So I was grateful for that, but I was also grateful that in it, God was doing a work that I didn't understand. Um, because of my willing, because of one situation, the perpetrator was brought to justice. Um, because of the other situation, we're still seeing that, um, take place, but I just trusted that God in his goodness saw fit to take us through something like that so that we could be a comfort to other people. Um, and see his power really is hard though. It was really oh, hard. Can only imagine, right? That's uh, certainly not something you want your, your kids to go through. Um, no. And yet, you know, we were talking about being grateful. And so you sounds like you've, you've been able to use it as a way to be compassionate toward other people who have similar situations and 
unfortunately in our world we're hearing about a lot of them right now yeah yeah, yeah. and and it is scary um because the sad thing is is it's also happening inside the church yeah. and so um i guess i'm really ultra sensitive to that i um, I work to make sure that children are safe, especially with my husband's and my youth ministry, um, because we want our kids to be safe. And um, it, it's a terrible thing that's happening, but God's grace is still greater than any any harm or violation or anything that can happen to anybody. And it just it just gives you the the desire to really be present with people and share the love that Jesus has for them as they're going through stuff like that. And sometimes it's just about being silent and holding their hand while they sob. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to be there Mm -hmm. and being a presence is, is as important as having anything helpful to say. Sometimes even more. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Okay. So you've been through a number of these times of difficulty and you found your faith challenged and, and um, grown because of it. Right. So mm-hmm. how are you serving today and how and you've talked about a little bit um, your ministry and your businesses, but take us into those and how God kind of led you into those and, and what you see God doing with them. Well, I, I knew for a long time that my husband and I were called into youth ministry, and he didn't. So I find it funny that usually <laughs> God will lead me in a direction, and then then uh, it's kind of like God prepares me for it first. And then my husband goes, oh, um, what do you think about this? And my heart's already ready to go. So oh, it's like, wow. oh, yeah, you know, no problem. So um, we've been actually doing the youth ministry at our church, I want to say, five years now. So we've been doing it for a while. Um, I have a real heart to lead young women to ha- to uh, really embrace their identity in Jesus, in Christ, um, and also to disciple other young women. So I actually have a small discipleship group that I work with. It's just three young ladies, and um, we meet twice a month. And uh, so I've been meeting with them for a year. My next step is to start teaching them how to disciple other young ladies. So that's because I believe that the purpose of discipleship is to create disciplers who create disciplers who create disciplers. I believe that's the call of the Great Commission. Um, And then in my business, um, I I really believe it's God. I believe God intends for His people to, to prosper. Now, I I don't believe that everybody should have 10 million bucks in their bank account. (laughs) Although I wouldn't turn it down. Just for the record. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, (laughs) But I believe that God desires for us to live in his abundance. Mm Prosperity is a bigger picture than money in the bank. As a matter of fact, there are a lot of people who have lots of money in the bank who are not living an abundant life. Abundance is a whole person thing. So it starts with your relationship with the Lord. And it, and then God uses that to work into the other areas of your life, your relationships, your family, your businesses, your employment, um, your community. And so 
one of the things I'm always careful of is how am I perceived as a believer, as a Christian in the community? Are there anything, is there anything in my business practices that somebody would go, well, she can't possibly be a Christian? Look at that. I'm really cautious of that because I believe every part of my life has to speak of the glory of God or none of it will speak of the glory of God. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So you're, are you a coach then? Do you like coach people? Is that what your business is? Are you, and you, one of them. Yeah. 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 I, um, I primarily work with, I do uh, leadership training. So I'm not an official uh, Maxwell leadership coach, but I love John Maxwell, but I do leadership training. I do team building as well as I have, um, I have a podcast with my daughter. We do a called black belt selling. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, so we it's been a lot of fun. We have a great uh, we have a lot of cool uh, folks that we get on there who uh, all of their messages resonate the same, which is that selling is service. And so uh, we've been doing it. We're about ready to at least release our fourth anniversary episode. So it's uh, pretty exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. We want to talk a little bit about your thirty one days of sales tips. That's something that you that you give away. It is so. Um, Sales tips, these tips are great because they help people to stay top of mind of what might be the next thing they need to do when they're in a conversation with people. And so um, if people will go to my Facebook page at Anna, uh, so it's facebook.com forward slash Anna, the number for your success, and it's Anna with two N's, then um, they can click to join my newsletter and they immediately get added onto the list. And so for 31 days, they'll get a little reminder, something simple to help them to stay focused on how to lead people in buying decisions. And uh, it doesn't, it's not about arm twisting. It's all about serving. It's all about understanding a process to help people decide what's best for them, and also for you to get the value that you provide the world because what people pay for, they value. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So that's that's really interesting. So why is, take us into that because I think this is a misnomer that people have about sales, right? So why is sales uh, service not just like arm twisting, you know? So every, the, the example everybody uses is the poor used car salesman who, you know, <laughs> descend upon you when you come into the, into the lot, uh, and make you feel kind of icky. So, but that's not how it has to be. So if, since you talk about this, tell us about that. Well, um, the reason I got into sales is, uh, I had this real estate investing business and as long as people, wanted what I was offering, it was super simple. The problem was, is my market changed and I did not know how to reach out and find people apart from the people who found me. I didn't know how to find them to show them what I could do for them. And part of my reticence, well, a huge part of my reticence is I did see sales as arm twisting, forcing people, arguing with people about what was right and why they should spend money. And plus, there's just a general idea that sales is icky. There's this general feel that sales is nasty. And because it has to do with money, that money is dirty and all of this stuff. So um, when I when my business started to flag, I got into another business and that's the one that really taught me that you really have to learn how to sell. So I, I got sales training and my mentor at the time, a guy named Eric Lothholm, 
he said he has this mantra and it's a really cool mantra and he in the very first line of the mantra is sales equals service what are we doing to help somebody accomplish a goal in their life if it's coaching what is your coaching doing for people to help them grow their business if it's if it's a car what is the car going to do that they need? You know, don't sell them a Mercedes Benz when all they need is a, a Hyundai SUV. You know, you're there to help them accomplish their goals. And, and that to me is the crux of service. Not only that, but you actually become and build a relationship with the person. Because if anything now, Eric, people are very jaded and suspicious of salespeople and they will be very, they will, um, what I want to say, they will run, if they sense sales, they immediately put up resistance. Right. And so my approach to people is how can, you know, what's going on in your life? Is there some way that I can help you out? If it means that I have to refer them to somebody else, then that's what I do. If it means that I have the solution they're looking for, that's what I do. That's what I offer. And always the decision is theirs but the relationship you build a relationship some of my best relationships have been have come out of sales people that i've worked with for years and and i go to them because i don't want to know everything about a product or service i i I have my own brain that's full of what i need to work on so i look to sales people who have that knowledge to help me make the decisions i need to make in order to accomplish the goals that I have. So I see salespeople as a consultant as well. What do you think? What do you know about this? You know, so we want to establish those relationships, which is really about sales. And to be honest, sales is also about evangelism. Mm. How do we present the gospel Yeah. so that people are open to hearing about it? The old ways, the old ways that were based on some old sales techniques they don't work anymore. They sure don't. And <laughs> like you said, people are just turned off by that stuff. They, yep. they don't want to, they don't necessarily, I don't know. They don't want to be told that they're, they're terrible and they're going to hell. That's, you know, people want to hear about God's love for them and, uh, yeah. and what that, which I think is true actually, you know, I mean, God asks his, his invitation is to be his people. Right. And so, well, it is. And Romans tells us very clearly that um, it's the loving kindness of God that leads to salvation, Hmm. to repentance. It's not the hellfire and brimstone. Um, That might scare a few people into thinking about it, or it can harden them like it hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Yeah, right. Right. Wow. Okay. So, sales is not just applicable to your business, it's applicable to your life and your faith. I like that. (laughs) It is. I have a better marriage because I now understand how to approach my husband. Wow. Yeah. Some days I look at him and he goes, you're a salesperson, aren't you? And I go, yeah, we have a better marriage for it. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, you know what? Like you said, it's all about knowing your audience. It's knowing those people and knowing how they, how they can receive things that, uh, that you, that you want to offer to them. Yeah, and it's about lowering people's resistance. So I just remember one time my husband got so upset about something I said, and immediately sales kicked in, and this voice said, just agree with him. Just agree with him. Maybe that was the Holy Spirit calming me down, too. But anyway, um, so I looked at him, and I go, you know what? I see your point. 
changes everything. Calm right? down. Yeah, we were able to have a conversation, and um, even just actually recently, something happened, and I felt I was right. Of course, we always feel we're right, <laughs> but then, but then I realized that that wasn't the point. The point was that I needed to ask forgiveness for something that wasn't necessarily a sin, but it created friction. And so I went to my husband and I said, hey, honey, I, 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 please forgive me for blah, 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 blah. And, you know, he was like, oh, okay, yeah, no problem. You know, so now we'll be able to deal with the issue because now I took, I got rid of the offense. I got rid of the resistance to the problem right. when I humbled myself and asked his forgiveness. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you for one tip, but that might be the tip, right? Like <laughs> lower resistance, do what you can to kind of get get rid of that. Yeah, which means swallow your pride. Oh, indeed. Interesting. <laughs> but isn't that interesting, right? So what you just said is humility is an essential part of sales. And that's mm-hmm. the opposite of what we've been told, right? Or the picture we've been mm-hmm. given. Like when we think of the arm twisting salesman, it's somebody who's not, who's arrogant and kind of, brash and and moving themselves into your life in a way you don't want, right? Well, and a person who's confident can actually be extremely humble. It doesn't mean you're not confident. It just means that you know when you need, you know what needs to be done in that moment in order to further the conversation. And, and people will tell people, you know, you know, yeah. You know, when somebody's just doing it just to manipulate, it's not about manipulation. It's about true heart-centered love for the person. If you if you care about that other person, you're really going to do what you can to put yourself in their shoes, to understand their situation. And that's going to go a long ways, not just in sales, but it goes a long ways in relationships and with your children, with your teenagers, with your spouse, with the in-laws, with the... Uh, with the neighbor down the street, with the person that you're with, you're witnessing to, who is hardened by life's difficulties. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's fantastic. Um, Anna, so again, people can find you at facebook.com slash Anna for the number four, your success. Right. Um, and you're right. also your name, AnnaSheller.com is your website. So all those links will be in the show notes at HalfwayTherePodcast.com. So friends, as you know, you can always go there, pick those up. And uh, if you're looking for a link, you can you can find, if you want to connect with Anna or learn more, you can do it in that way. Anna, anything you want to leave us with? You know, uh, you got a lot of stuff out of me that I wasn't, I didn't even know was there. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, you know, I, I think the, the key is that there's a scripture that I absolutely love, and I think it um, it, it encompasses the, the whole Bible, and it's found in Micah, Micah 6.8, and it says, He has told you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee, but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And if we do those things, there's nothing, there's nothing that can separate us. Well, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God anyway, but I think it 
it, it really can help us through the storms and it can help us come out at the other end so that when we stand in front of God, He will look at us and He will say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your reward. And we will gladly do that. We will throw our crowns down at His feet and we will worship Him for eternity. And that is the goal of my life. Wow. I love that. Um, one thing I pray over and over is, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And that's uh, that only proper response to what you just said, I think. So, well, Anna, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and being on Halfway There. It was a pleasure. Pleasure was all mine. Thank you for inviting me.